If you want to spend less time going to the grocery store, then you need to check out ButcherBox. It's a super convenient way to find high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust. ButcherBox only sells 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. And you know what all that means. No antibiotics or added hormones, so you get peace of mind that you're eating healthy food. On top of all that, ButcherBox makes shopping simpler because it gets delivered right to your doorstep. Shipping is always free, and you can customize your meal plan so you're only getting exactly what you want. We've tried everything from pork chops to tenderloins at our house, and they're always a huge hit. ButcherBox prices are as good or better than what you can find at the store, plus they have exclusive member deals, as well as a ton of recipes, cooking tips, and other kitchen hacks to choose from. So sign up at ButcherBox.com LISC and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. So sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash LISK, L-I-S-K, and use code LISK to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus $20 off your first order. I'm Morgan Rector, host of the Human Monsters True Crime Podcast, Do you find life boring within the comfort zone? This is the right show for you. It will test your endurance. The offenders profiled are among the most inhumane. These people specialize in the unthinkable. Human Monsters. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Mopac Audio. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Lisk, Long Island Serial Killer. My name is Chris Moss. I am the host of the show. Today we are talking with Mark Bordeaux. He is the public information officer at Sumter County Sheriff's Office in South Carolina. And he is important and Sumter's important because there is a connection potentially with Sumter, South Carolina and Rex Hewerman, Julia Bean's disappearance back in 2017. Her daughter believes the last person she saw her mom with was someone who resembled Rex Hewerman, who had a pickup like Rex Hewerman. So we're going to learn what we can about that case from Mark today. If you don't mind jumping in, if you could just give us an intro of who you are and kind of what your role is and how do you come into that role? Well, Chris, uh, I'm Mark Bordeaux. Title would be formally Dr. Mark Bordeaux. And I'm the public information officer for the Sumter County Sheriff's Office in Sumter, South Carolina. And then tell us a little bit about Sumter. How big is it? Um, what's it by? What's it known for? Well, Sumter is a South Carolina town in the Midlands of South Carolina. Uh, we have a large air base here, Shaw Air Force Base. Sumter County in, in general has people of all walks of life and uh, is a broad racially mixed area uh, with a a good down-home small-town feel to it, a wonderful place to rear your children, uh, beautiful parks, excellent schools. Well, it sounds like a great town. If you would, tell us about Julia Bean and um, what's her background and what's her story? Well, Julia Bean was a resident of Sumter, South Carolina for a number of years, has a daughter named Cameron and was uh, rather mobile here in the area and liked to change addresses periodically. And the last she was seen was by her daughter on June 1st, 2017. On that day, Julia and an unknown 
male acquaintance picked up uh, her daughter Cameron, where Cameron was living near Dalzell, South Carolina, just a small area in uh, Sumter County. And they drove to an area in South Sumter, Highway 15 South, to a nail salon where Julia and her daughter Cameron had their nails done because the very next day, Cameron uh, was graduating from high school. And at that period of time, uh, the male that drove them there, the still un- unidentified male who drove them, Cameron gave both her mother and the individual tickets to her graduation, uh, which was, of course, scheduled uh, June 2nd. Well, June 2nd came, and of course, Cameron was disappointed not to see her mother or the uh, man in attendance at her graduation. A few days later, her mother texted Cameron asking for pictures of her daughter's graduation. And that text exchange, our investigators have discovered, was the last time that we know that Julia uh, was active in a text, and the last texts that she read were there from her daughter. Just a few uh, days later, close to uh, June 20th, perhaps, Cameron moved to Texas with a friend, began living there, and was out of touch uh, with her mother uh, for those months. And then closer to Thanksgiving in 2017, on November 18th, Cameron returned to Sumter County to um, see her mother close to the Thanksgiving holidays. When she arrived, we understand that the place that her mother was staying was vacant. Uh, hard to tell if anything was, was stolen or not, but it was in disarray, and her mother was missing. She uh, looked for her mother, talked to friends, etc., could not find her mother, could not track her down anywhere, and did the logical thing, of course, reaches out to the Sumter County Sheriff's Office. And on that day, our deputies and investigators responded and began the investigation that has been going on since then. And then with the size of Sumner and, and it, you know, it seems like a smaller town with uh, with the FBI being involved. This is, is this a first? And what does that do to an investigation? I'm sure it's not a first to have the FBI uh, working with the Sumter County Sheriff's Office. And as you know, this began insofar as I know, this began with our investigators deciding if this is true, then our colleagues at the FBI need to know this as a part of their investigation. So, of course, partnership with any other law enforcement agency like our local Sumter Police Department, we're very close to them and and cooperate on a number of investigations and uh, and pursuits and uh, matters with them. Having the Federal Bureau, Bureau of Investigation looking into the possible connection between Rex Huerman and Julia Bean is an added boost, just an added boost to our investigation. And it may be we could hear any time from the FBI or from one of our investigators, yes, here's something that will take a step further. And let me go back a second with Cameron. I think Julia had three children. What was the situation with those, the kids? And it sounds like maybe they were living somewhere else. Were they with the father, with the grandparents? Do you know the situation? And just trying to understand the background to also like that five-month delay of reporting her missing. Her mother was rather mobile, and it was hard to stay in touch with her. Now, the other two children, I, I believe they were daughters. I'm not up to date on where they are and where they were during that period of time, but Cameron's the one who lived here at that period of time. And since that time, I might say this uh, investigation involved interviewing family members, friends, acquaintances, of course. Uh, our investigators researched into 
her life and included her that includes her her personal life social media history financial records as a matter of fact our investigators have entered her family dna and her fingerprints into a national database for missing persons so in addition to following up every whiff of a lead every possibility that that they could find over these years her case is still open and will remain open until we either find her or find out uh, what happened to her the case had grown cold up until oh slightly more than two weeks ago on um, august 20th 23 when an acquaintance of miss bean contacted sumter county sheriff's office on a sunday with information she believed that would help solve the case one of our investigators met with her here at the Sumter County Sheriff's Office on that Sunday afternoon and uh, interviewed her and took careful notes. And the following Monday, that investigator and the team assigned to locating Mrs. Bean began to evaluate the information they'd been given and decide uh, what steps to take to follow it up. Uh, I do understand that the FBI was notified of this information we had received, so they will know everything we know in the course of their seeking justice in the Kuerman case in Long Island. Well, at that point, um, our investigator began following these leads, and the lead essentially was coming from someone who was an acquaintance of hers that said that they heard second or third hand that the person seen with Julia Bean on those dates that her daughter last saw was Rex Huerman. Now, a lot of folks may find it entertaining to get on social media and speculate and make accusations and criticize any number of things because of free speech and just celebrate their, their free speech. You know, uh, law enforcement doesn't have the luxury of just speculation and being hypothetical. We want the truth and we must find the truth. In investigating this, it began with what is called hearsay information. But that doesn't mean we're opposed to it. That just means, okay, here's another area that we need to investigate. And our investigators did pursue that and thought that this could be something to breathe new life into this case. And so in the last two weeks, the lead investigator and uh, some of the team have been trying to make connections to see whether or not there is any proof, any solid evidence that the suspect in the uh, Long Island serial killer case, Gilgo Beach, I presume is what they, they call it, has any real connection uh, with Miss Bean. And then I guess what you're looking for there is you're hoping to get cell records potentially that would tie him to South Carolina, if not um, Sumter, because he does own property up in um, Chester. Is there a scene for what Rex was into that would have him drive from, you know, if he were down visiting in um, Chester, that would bring him two hours to uh, Sumter? At this point, we're not aware of any reason that Huberman would have to drive to Sumter. And speculation is what uh, would come from beyond that. Right now, there's no solid evidence that he had a reason to be here. Uh, they have checked uh, cell phone records, as I mentioned financial records, social media records, and of course, her friends. And if there's any connection in any other uh, personal ways, school, education, prison, otherwise, any every possible connection that they could find to uh, Miss Bean, they would want to know who those acquaintances were. And if those acquaintances happen to have any connection with Rex Huberman, that would present the possibility of him having contact with Miss Bean. 
before the last few weeks, you know, the, the previous six years, can you talk a little bit about the case and where it was at as far as like, you know, what was, the, was there a narrative of like what had maybe happened? Were there any suspects, any leads? Well, yes, sir. As you mentioned, the years that had passed over this period of time began with several months that had passed before our investigators uh, were aware of her missing. And in that period of time, of course, more than uh, the first 24 passes by or the first 48, I mean, we're talking about months and connections are harder to make and it's harder to locate people and uh, gain the evidence that our investigators have needed to uh, make a direct connection with the whereabouts of Miss Bean. And over these years, every person that has been, let's say, in Miss Bean's orbit has been contacted by the sheriff's office. And whenever possible, they've been interviewed and discussed their uh, understanding, their ideas, any su suspicion they may have. And with each uh, investigation, each line of questioning or, or lead that may come, there has not been uh, fruit, unfortunately. And sadly, we have not heard from friends or relatives over these years with any, uh, any information that would help us take the case farther. But we know, in, in my heart, I know that, as in all cases, somebody knows something. I remind myself that somebody out there today almost certainly knows what happened to Miss Bean, where she's at today, or what had, has happened to her. And I'm just praying, as our sheriff is a man of faith, and many people who work here in the sheriff's office are people of faith, we know that ultimately truth comes from above, and we want the truth. And we're hoping and praying that those who have even a little evidence or information that might help our investigators go farther would contact us and step up and do the right thing. Yeah, that's good. And it's it's good to hear that your um, that your faith plays a role in that. You know that um, you have a higher sense of justice and purpose, and um, we're grateful for that. You know, that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify is your POS command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that unites your in-person and online sales into one seamless process. Easily track every sale across your business and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. You can take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify POS Go mobile device. Easy peasy. And if there's ever a question, Shopify's award-winning support is there to answer your questions. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lisk, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lisk to take your retail business to the next level today. One last time, go to shopify.com slash L-I-S-K. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. 
Everyday Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Greg Sherman is a demon that walks among us. A predator that ruined families. The Lisk Long Island Serial Killer podcast was shocked when the news broke of Rex Hewerman's arrest. After more than a decade of searching, law enforcement officials had finally pieced together enough evidence to bring formal charges against Rex Hewerman. Initially charged with three murders, Hewerman is now officially charged with all four deaths in the Gilgo 4 case. I'm your host, Chris Moss, and the Lisk podcast will be releasing new episodes with interviews and fresh insight on the case as Rex Hewerman awaits trial in Long Island. While we are relieved by the arrest, the List podcast team will be working hard to share new developments and perspectives as we get them. So please keep your eyes and ears out for new episodes, and if you haven't already, please listen to seasons one and two of Lisk, Long Island Serial Killer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me ask you this. Are there any, are you guys aware of any other um, missing persons from Sumter proper, Sumter County, that kind of fit the situation that Julia was in and that have gone missing that, you know, were maybe, you know, struggling with drugs and, and maybe some sex work. Short answer to that question is no. Uh, I can tell you that recent research uh, by our major in investigations uh, over missing persons and runaways from 2012 to 2023 have uh, revealed that we have averaged about 40 people being reported missing or running away each year. But of that number, that averages about um, 44 annually, I should say, less than 1% are unsolved. So Cameron, you know, once she had, I think what had happened is, is Julia's friend, Heidi, had sent her some news to kind of say, hey, this reminds me of your mom who is missing. Um, and that you know, when she saw Rex, she recognized him, and that led to where we're at right now. Well, if I may jump in. Please. Uh, it is alleged that she recognized him. Cameron has been very helpful with our investigators, very forthcoming, and also very level-headed and wise. Although you know her heart and her family's heart are aching to find an answer, 
Uh, she recognizes, at least to this point, uh, she's not been able to make an ID of Rex Hewerman being uh, the individual that was with her mother on June 1st, 2017. Okay. That's a good distinction. Thank you for that. Um, yes, sir. And then once this information came in from Heidi and from Cameron, what are those what are those steps that, that happen? I guess they have to vet that information. Um, is that how it starts before they reach out to SCPD? Do you know any of those steps? Vetting process on that information, uh, it would be like any case, whether it be shoplifting, or, or a major case like this, uh, my understanding is they would start at the epicenter of what they know to be true or what has been alleged to be true and then step out to make a connection to find validity in the next area and see if there is a connection. And as long as there's validity, they can continue to follow that. We mentioned phone uh, records, bank records, of course, uh, personal communication with others. And with the information that... Uh, the individual, the acquaintance of Julia brought to our investigator on that Sunday, uh, August 20th, he and the team looked into that extensively, making phone calls and trying to contact people who allegedly were involved, may have been involved, or been the second and third hand source of some of this information. And thus far, there has been no solid proof that there has been a connection between Julia Bean and Rex Huerman. Sure. And have they been any steps like would they would they have visited that nail salon if it's still there or found perhaps an employee who had worked there to see if they recall anything? I'm sure uh, the years ago that this began our initial investigation, uh, I've seen the narratives and the reports. Uh, they are extensive. And I, I was just really impressed uh, when I was when I was read into the case at the amount of detail that they followed. So I feel feel certain without opening up the case files that uh, yes, they followed her last known locations and spoken to everyone they could. But of course, bearing in mind that they get this months after the fact that she was last seen. July, yeah. August, October and November passed. And we uh, like the family that you know, they're eager to find a resolution to this and have some peace in their heart and mind is what happened to mom. And our investigators like nothing more than uh, providing closure for families, but they thrive on closing cases. And unfortunately, there's been nothing that um, would allow them to say, yes, here is something that shows there could be a connection with Rex Hurman, much less there is a connection. It appears at this point nothing has proven any connection with Rex Hurman. And I and, and when it's you know six years ago, and then the report comes in five months later, that rules. It probably rules out things like um, security cam footage from the uh, from the nail salon and stuff like that because it's just too old. Chris, that's a good point. Most security cam footage is, is recorded over, if not within hours, within days of it um, being used and so we really are saddened that we didn't have access sooner to some of these uh, tools that may have been helpful as far as the investigation going forward what are you hoping that that comes in what are you guys looking into is there is there any you know next shoe to drop 
Well, I can see that there are two possibilities. One is that there's a connection made that we can make another press release and uh, let you and your listeners know that, yes, there we found something. We found somebody that can help us go a little farther in the investigation. The other alternative would be, uh, after conferring with our colleagues uh, at the FBI, finding that we've run out of leads and that there's no connection between the two. So we may find the lead that keeps us going. We may find that there's been no uh, connection thus far, or we may find that the the line of investigation we've been on towards Rex Hewerman does not exist. You have a tip line, correct, or a, a website as well? Uh, yes. We use uh, p3tips.com. Listeners can go there or they can download the P3 app for um, to be able to contribute to uh, law enforcement search for justice. Well, thank you for spending the time with us. We really appreciate it. On behalf of our sheriff and all the folks here, we exist to serve. And I hope you'll feel free to contact us should you have any follow-up questions on this or anything else. Well, thank you so much, Mark. And um, we'll be in touch. And uh, we, again, we appreciate your time. You're very welcome, Chris. Have a good day. You too, sir. Thank you for joining us on this episode of LISC. And a special thank you to Mark for sharing with us what he could about what's ongoing there in Sumter. We hope that they find some answers, whether it's Rex or not, for the Bean family. But thank you for listening. And if you do have tips, please reach out to them. This has been a Mopac Audio production. I am your host, Chris Moss. Our senior producer is Shannon McGarvey. Our executive producers are Jonathan Beal and Jonathan Nowazarden, and music by Blake Maples. The views, speculation, conjecture, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers, guests, and the hosts. They do not reflect or represent the policy or views held by Mopac Audio LLC or any broadcaster of this podcast. Any and all suspects discussed on this podcast are considered innocent until guilt is established in a court of law and any allegations, speculation, opinion, or conjecture about any suspect is subject to such presumption of innocence. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.